Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. six-week series on Jonah, and then next week we're going to start doing a few messages on our, our series, our vision this year moving forward. We're going to be talking about moving forward, the great principles to live by. So we're talking, we talk about fasting, talk about another, another great principle, worship, prayer, and so we'll be looking at that as we will throughout the year, stopping just to focus on one of the moving forward um, titles. There are three ways that we can learn. You can take out your sermon notes if you had them. You print them off at home, off our website. Those here, we'll pick them up at the front table. There are three ways we can learn. The number, the first way is through experience. That is, we learn through reflection. Uh, we use our own past actions, our own past practices, and we reflect on what we learned. For example, if you go and touch a hot stove you will learn not to do that again in the future. I've learned not to do that again. You reflect on your own experience. The second way we can learn is through explanation. Uh, We learn by listening. We, we, We listen to instructions from someone who has more knowledge on a subject that we do. And by listening to them, they transfer what they know to us. And this is usually how classrooms work at schools. You have a professor or a teacher, and the students are sitting down and listening, and they're explaining to us what we need to learn. And then there's the third way, by example. We learn from watching others who have accomplished what we seek to set out to accomplish. Uh, This is a great way to learn because you learn from the mistakes and the failures of others. You understand, okay, I'm not going to go in that pothole. I'm going to go around that. I, I learn from their example. I can see what they've done. And you learn from their successes what to do, and you're inspired by them. And this series on Jonah has really all been about us learning from Jonah's example. Now, those of us who went to Sunday school probably remember singing the song, Come listen to the tale of Jonah and the whale, way down in the middle of the ocean. How many of my people are there? How many remember that? Oh boy, one. <laughs> Was that really? <laughs> uh, but you know, really, this isn't about come listen to the tale. This is about come and learn from the tale of Jonah and the whale. I've been asking God, well, what would you want me to learn? Because honestly, I don't know. I hope you don't think I'm up here just telling you what to do, what to do, what to do, and I've got this figured out. I, I mean, sermons are first, I, I, I take them in, I listen to them, I, 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 I examine myself more than you know. I asked God, okay, what is it you want me to know from this, this story of Jonah? Because it really was him impressing upon me. I hadn't planned for this, but I want you to preach on Jonah. So, Lord, what is it is, what would you want me to know? And God nudged me and said, well, in light of the decisions that Jonah made and what I'm trying to do through Jonah and the Ninevites, he nudged me and said, do you remember Larry? And I said, yeah, I haven't thought about Larry in, in years. Larry, yeah, I remember Larry. He, he was a boy about five or six years old. When I was a boy about five or six years old, and he lived across the road from me. And Larry would come over to our place a lot. I remember my dad would give us popsicles, and he would sit down with us on the front porch, and together we would visit and chat while eating our 
popsicles. And Larry really liked being at our house. He would be showing up all the time. I was too young then to realize what my mom and dad had already knew, that Larry was a, a foster child, and the home he was in did not do a good job caring for him. Larry was not always dressed uh, properly. He was often dirty. Uh, they suspected that he was punished harshly out of anger because they would see some marks sometimes on him. And it made sense to me why Larry liked coming to over, over to our place so often. He, he was welcomed there. He was loved there. He was valued there. Uh, he was safe there. So Larry would show up at our house. Can I show you a picture of Larry? I have one picture of him. Here he is. This is Larry. That's the boy. Sweet boy who deserved to know he was valued and loved. In fact, my mom told me that later in life that she and dad were in the process of adopting Larry because he loved him. He became part of our family. But just as they're doing that, the foster he was taken out of that foster home. And my parents, I think, found out he told them, told them they went to Scotland to be with family over there. And I often wondered what happened to Larry. Was he cared for? Did he find a family who loved him? And as I thought about Larry, God wanted me to know that the same compassion my parents had for Larry is how he feels about lost souls, whether they're in Nineveh yesterday or Niagara Falls today. He wants us to know, he wants them to know that they are valued, that they are loved by God. And just like my family, who I believe was strategically placed to reach out to Larry, we are strategically placed in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools to reach out to those around us. I would confess to you, it's easier for me to have compassion on, on, on someone like Larry than someone who makes choices and decisions I don't agree with. I'm sure this is how Jonah felt in regards to the Ninevites. The Ninevites were his enemy. The Ninevites did not show mercy to Jonah's people. So why, Jonah thought, would I want to show mercy to them? They tortured our people. They worshipped idols. Jonah did not want to show mercy to a people who showed no mercy. They didn't deserve it. So Jonah, we know, we're looking at the series, did not want to be part of their salvation. So he tried to avoid the mission, which seems odd, because Jonah was a prophet. This was a title Jonah had, prophet. And by definition, a prophet in the Bible was to speak with people about the words and the will of God in their life and their situations. The prophets were these megaphones declaring whatever God had commanded them to say and to preach to the people. Now, titles like prophet are either bestowed upon you or earned by a person. We don't give them to ourselves. Uh, we can, but they won't mean much. Um, we hope that when we visit our doctor and has an MD beside his name that, that he earned that MD. <laughs> when we go to the garage, we are trusting the fellow working in our car uh, as a licensed mechanic that he's not just someone who likes to tinker on engines. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about Dave and Morgan because they have been, uh, they've been granted a minister's license by our district to be pastors. 
Uh, I didn't give them the title. They didn't give themselves the title. The district our covering says you are pastors and they're working hard. <laughs> I mean, they are so busy. How busy are you, Morgan? <laughs> yes, yeah, she's laughing. How busy are you, Dave? Wake up, wake up. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I did it a year ago just to transfer my ordination, not just be a licensed minister, but my ordination. Um, it's a lot of work. Jonah had the title which described him in God's work as a prophet, but he also had not just a title, Jonah had a call. And God gave that call twice to Jonah. He said, get up and go to the large church, the large city of Nineveh, and preach against it, for their sin has come up before me. And again, in chapter three, you have Jonah trying to run away from that call. God gave him a second chance at the same thing. Get up and go to the large city of Nineveh and tell the people there the news which I'm going to tell you. And like Jonah, again, this is not just listening to a story, but how does this connect to me? Like Jonah, we as followers of Christ have a title. We are called Christians. And Christian is a compound word, the first part being Christ, which means anointed. The second part, Shen, Christian, means little. So Christian really means little anointed ones. We are to be like the big anointed one. And that was a problem Jesus always had. Always had. He would come and he would preach, and there are people who... Um, who are very religious, but not Christ-like. And the more spiritual Jesus got, the more they fought him, and the more they would grumble. And being Christ-like is not about grumbling and fighting amongst ourselves as it said in that scripture we read, but it's about being like Jesus, who's very loving, very accepting, would, would be very straightforward. And like Jonah, we also don't not only have a title, but we have a call. We call it the Great Commission. You've heard it so many times that maybe it, it just doesn't sink in, but it, Jesus said this, go, and make followers, followers of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do all the things I have told you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And you notice there are some verbs in our calling as Christians. Jesus gives us these action words which go hand in hand with our title. He says, go. Think about in your life how you go to make followers, baptizing them, teaching them. That, that, that's not just a religious kind of uh, verse we put up on our wall. That's a, that's, that's a calling to you as a follower of Jesus. Go make, baptize, teach. It's not just for a few. It's for all. Christians. And like Jonah, we have this title, we have this call. What remains is the question that someone in our men's life group asked recently, okay, if we have this title, if we have this call, then where is our Nineveh? And I guess the answer is all around us. 
I, I, I have a title as well. I title is pastor and, and reverend, which I don't use very often, but just at funerals or weddings. But I, I take my job description as God's pastor from God's word, where it says their responsibility, the pastor's responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So I take that seriously. Just as we, I take the Great Commission, we take the Great Commission seriously. I read that and, and I take it seriously because it says that I am to, as a pastor, you're to equip you with opportunities to build up the church. Well, I'm to work to bring us to unity and faith. And that's why we're offering you this chance to be involved in Alpha Online, which we've been talking about. Because if you have this title of Christian, and if you want to be, and if you want to be helped to be equipped to fulfill the calling in your life, then we want to invite you to be part of Alpha Online. This is how you can go. This is how you can make disciples. We want to help you fulfill the calling, not just to watch someone else do it, because you're going to stand before Jesus one day and say, okay, let's talk about you, and I want you to be able to stand there and go, this is what, this is how I fulfilled what you asked me to do. And you can be part of a prayer team. That will be one of the things. We have, uh, we have our coordinator already. Uh, Lauren will be our coordinator. We have the host. Um, we have the tech guy, but we'll need people who would come and Part of, the, part of what they can do is be on the prayer team. And we saw in recent weeks how Jonah's life did not turn around. Revival did not happen until Jonah stopped and looked up and prayed to God. And remember, he prayed God's word back to God. He took, I think, was it eight of the Psalms, portions of the Psalms, and prayed it back to him. Now, my wife, Glenda, asked, us, asked me and some others yesterday for a quote. Why do we come to this room over here, our prayer room, at 9 o'clock? on Sunday mornings? Why do we come and spend that time with other Christians to pray before this service? And we call this time prayer start. It's not a closed group. We had, I know at least a dozen people there this morning. It's for any who believe in prayer. You come at nine and we will, we will read scripture. Today we read about how we're to offer God more than just a sacrifice, more a duty, but he wants, we want, he wants to know us. He wants us to know him. And we gather and, and we pray because we believe in the power of prayer. And the quote that I gave, Glenda, was not my own, but I had to share one from Ian Bounds who said this, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but people whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods but through people. He does not come on machinery, but on people. He does not anoint plans, but people, people of prayer. And if you truly believe this, then you want to say, I'm going to give the sacrifice of time to come with others and to pray that others would come to know Jesus through Alpha Online. I'm going to go, I'm going to help make, I'm going to help teach by just praying with others. And this Thursday at 7 p.m. will be our first 
time to do that. We all go through a 10-minute um, training video, and then we're going to pray. You can do that. And you will be, it'll be a link in our email uh, update, and we can send it out um, uh, other ways as well. You can pray with us. You can also do something as simple as giving an invitation to someone to come to Alpha Online. And we will have those ready for next Sunday for you. See, after Jonah prayed, he began to fulfill the title that God had given him, to fulfill the calling God had given him. And in chapter 3, where we are today, we read he went to Nineveh. He finally went there after the storm, the ship, and the great fish. And we read this in Jonah 3, 3 and 4. On the day, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Like, wake up. And if what God in his word says is true, and it is, that there is actually a place called heaven, <coughs> there's actually a place called hell, and how interest into this place called heaven is not based on personal performance and your goodness, as the enemy would have many to believe. I feel safe. I'm, I hope I'm more good than I'm bad, and therefore I'll be all right. So many think if I'm good enough, that if the good outweighs the bad in my life, I'll make it to heaven. That's a lie. You see it all the time. Salvation is only found through Jesus Christ. Not through me, not through my good works, not through my title. And it's paramount that we alert and inform and warn people about the danger they're in, thinking, you know, if I'm just kind of good enough, if I just do some kind things, because if that were true, then Jesus would not have had to come. I can save myself. I can be kind enough and good enough, but that's not true. That's why Jesus came, the only one who is righteous, to die for my sin. That's who I am. Can you admit that to yourself? I'm a sinner saved by the grace of the Lord. That's where my salvation is found. And the Bible's clear on this. The Bible says God saved you by what? His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So don't boast about it. If we doubt heaven, if we doubt hell, then we doubt the very foundation of our faith. For Jesus himself says this, go through the narrow door. The door is wide and the road is easy that leads to where? Hell. Many people are going through that door, but the door is narrow and the road is hard that leads to the life that lasts forever. I want that. Few people are finding it, however. Few people. We want to do something about that. Jonah walks the streets of Nineveh and he warns the people about their life and what is to come if they don't repent and change. And his sermon is what? Eight words long. Eight words. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. His message wasn't complicated. It was to the point. He, he probably gave it more out of duty than love. If I have to, I'll do this. I don't like these Ninevites. I hope they're not saved. I hope they don't repent. But I'll be faithful. I'll, I'll, I'll say the words. And in spite of that, God used it. The very next verse says this. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. 
from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And boy, I wish that would happen here. I wish that I could preach eight words, you could preach eight words, and the whole city comes to God. Convicted, repentive, and seeking the Lord. And maybe that won't happen, or maybe that will happen through Alpha Online. But think of this. What if one of your family that's not saved, one of your friends, one of your neighbors, one of your co-workers come to Christ because you said, hey, we're doing Alpha. We'd love to see you there. Check it out. There's more to life than this. Maybe that interests you. Would that possibility, that possibility be worth handing them an invitation? Would that possibility be worth you taking some time and praying with other believers that that would be so? Have you ever considered the fact that giving a warning is one of the greatest acts of love we can offer another person? If you are pulled over by a police officer because you were speeding and you're nervous, you think about the fine and, the, and the, the points you might lose. And then he comes back and says, okay, I'm going to give you a warning. How do you feel? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, because you know what you deserved. You know what was coming, and he just gave you a warning. God himself tells us how important, how loving warnings are when we when we do this to people who are walking really off a cliff. This is what God says. I've been thinking about this. I've been sharing this with some of you this week. Ezekiel, this is God saying, Son of man, warn your people. This is God saying to Ezekiel, warn your people. And listen to what God says. He says, Someday I, the Lord, may send an enemy to invade a country. And suppose its people choose someone to stand and watch and to sound a warning signal. An enemy is seen coming. If any of these people hear the signal and ignore it, they will be killed in battle. But it will be their own fault because they could have escaped if they had paid attention. But suppose the person watching fails to sound the warning signal. You see, danger is coming. The enemy is coming and they do nothing. The enemy will attack and kill some of the sinful people in that country. And I, the Lord, will hold who? that person responsible who did not warn them for their death. Ezekiel, I appointed you, church, I appointed you to stand watch for the people of Niagara Falls and around the world. So listen to what I say, then warn them for me. That's the commission. Go, make, teach. Warn them for me. When I tell wicked people they will die because of their sins, you must warn them to turn from their sinful ways. But if you refuse to warn them, you are responsible for their death. If you warn them and they keep sinning, they will die because of their sins and you will be innocent. See, that, that, that's not just a great story. That's God telling us, holding us accountable to go make teach. The passage, that passage wants to make me ask a question. I ask it of myself. Again, I do this to myself. Have you ever warned anybody about anything regarding the eternal spiritual 
well-being. Have you ever warned anybody? How long has it been since you warned anybody about their eternal path, about their spiritual well-being? And I ask that question because, you know, this, I think sometimes, I was confessing this to, to our men's group, like sometimes, you know, you're more interested in your position of being rejected or jilted by those who you want to ask than, than do those who you want to warn than you are in helping them and loving them to know Jesus. You make it about me, what I might feel, instead of what's they're going to feel if they don't take heed. We live in a very confused nation. Have you, have you noticed that? People are confused about where their help really comes from. They're confused about their sexuality. They're confused about why they're here and what is the purpose of my life. And if we don't tell them, if you and I don't tell them, who will? I mean, if the people who have the title, you are my little Jesuses, you are my, you are my prophets, you are my messengers, you are my Christians, and I have this calling to go make and, and make myself known, make Jesus known where you are. If we don't do that, then who will be doing that? You see the seriousness of that? And that's why we want to do something. We just not sitting around listening and saying, let's, okay, Again, I give credit to the men's group. Let's do Alpha online. Let's, not, let's warn those who would listen in a loving way, not in a you're a horrible person kind of way. Like, we get this. We are sinners saved by grace. We don't deserve anything but what God would give us, and we've accepted it. We want you to accept that as well. Here's how I think. You may not think like I think, so I'm just going to share how I think, and maybe some of you, a few of you will understand this. This is how Mark Royal thinks. I imagine seeing one of my lost neighbors, one of my lost family members at that great day of judgment that's coming. And they, they, they're facing a horror of being sent away into eternity forever to live forever without God, go to hell. And they see me and they look at me and they say, you knew? Why didn't you say anything? That haunts me. You knew about this? We talked? We laughed, we visited, you did good things for me, I did good things for you, but you didn't tell me about this. Suddenly giving a loving invitation to Alpha online isn't as intimidating as I thought it would be. Sometimes I have to warn people I love because I love them. And now here lies the most powerful, positive point in the story of Jonah. Because I have a title, you have a title. I have a calling and you have a calling. And thirdly, expect God to use you. Expect God to use me. Is that the next slide? Did I miss that slide? I probably missed that slide. Nope, there it is. Expect God to use you. Expect it. Anticipate it. Jonah preached eight words. Eight words which led a people, the largest city in the day, in the world, to seek forgiveness and repent of their sins. But this didn't start with the man in the street. We read this in, in uh, verse 6 of chapter 3. When the king of Nineveh, of the largest city in the world, heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. Can you imagine? He stepped down from his throne. I am no longer in control. I am no longer the boss here. I'm going to step down from my throne, took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes 
Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. And I try to picture this. People and animals alike, animals too, must wear garments of mourning. You see cows and sackcloth? It must have happened. And he says, everyone must pray earnestly to God. Not religiously, not routine, earnestly to God. That's what we're going to be doing in Alpha. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And what happened is a revival broke out. That's the miracle. I mean, a great fish swallowing Jonah. Huh? The largest city in the world, everybody from the king down to the common man, repenting and turning to God for revival. I was talking to one of my friends who said uh, his son has a friend who's from Nineveh, and they're, they're ancestors of that revival today. A revival broke out. Word, eight words preached, and revival broke out. The largest city in the world repented and changed. They turned to God. And here's the road to revival. Just, just as we read about it, what happened in Nineveh, five, five things happened, okay? Number one, they humbled themselves. We talked about that. It's so important. Even the king got off his throne, took off his royal robes. I'm humbling myself. It's not about me. It's not about my status. It's not about my experience. It's not about my title. It's about I'm humbling myself. Secondly, they fasted. And next week, Pastor Dave is going to be talking about fasting. We're going to call our church to a time of fasting in March. It may be one day a week, maybe two days a week, maybe three days a week. Some of you might do a week out of the month. But some sort of fasting. It could be a meal. It could be coffee. It could be a, a whole day of without food. It could be social media. That's going to be hard for some people. It could be television. Thank goodness football's over right now. But they're fasting because you sacrifice something to focus more on God. Think God will use that? Looking forward to that message. Number three, they prayed earnestly. What happens when we come together as a church and we pray earnestly is amazing. It's good that we pray in our, by ourselves individually, but when we come together corporately and pray, God moves. Number four, they turn from evil. That's the repenting. That's a, I'm turning my thoughts towards God. I'm turning away from the old way and embracing the new way. The old is gone, the new has come. And they ceased from violence. It wasn't just a theory. It was an actual actions change from violence to loving. And what happened in Nineveh can happen here in Canada. Do you believe that? Really believe that? Yeah. It could happen in Niagara Falls. Do you believe that? It could happen here at the gate. Do you believe that? It could begin with you. Do you believe that? I wonder. Are you willing to humble yourselves for the sake of revival? That's a big question. I can't do that for you. No one can do that for you. You make that decision. Are you willing to fast for the sake of revival? Are you willing to pray earnestly for the sake that others will come to know Christ? Are you willing to cease from sins against God and man for the sake that revival break out in our church and our city and our land? It's possible. I just read about it. Only you can answer that question. You can say, okay, I heard, walk away, and never think of it again. 
Or you say, Holy Spirit, remind me of this. It could begin with me. Am I willing to humble myself? Would I fast for this? Would I pray for this? Would I cease from sins that, 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 I'm, that I have in my life so that others would come to know that, God, you can use me to go make and teach? I know every lost soul doesn't look like my friend Larry. It'd be a lot easier if they did. Or seem as helpless as he did. Sometimes hard to love the people that, that we don't love, like Jonah was asked to do. But a lost soul is a lost soul. I have the worship team to come. It's good for us to take a few moments. I want us to reflect on those five things. I want you to ask yourself, am I willing? Am I willing? God, knowing what you're able to do, what we just read about in Jonah, what you're able to do, am I willing to participate? Well, am I willing to be humbled? Am I willing to fast? Am I willing to pray? Am I willing to turn from evil? Am I willing to cease from uh, uh, violence, from things that are, that are, that are horrible to, to, to man and to God? And I was going to get um, our worship teams to pray or just to play for a little bit. I just want to take a minute and I just want to reflect on this before I pray, okay? Would you really reflect on this? Am I willing? Look at everybody else. So don't ask about them. Am I willing to do this? Some of you will be sitting at home on couches. I want to ask you, are you willing? Some of us are sitting here in person. I want to ask you, are you willing? To set aside pride, to set aside time, to set aside the things that we think we need to sustain life, for a time, willing to sincerely confess and ask forgiveness of sin that so easily has been tangling us up. And the reason is that others would come to know. Lord, we pray for a, a revival to take place. That those, through those people that we have not yet reached, we would be able to reach through an invitation through a prayer because they're wondering what is there more to life than this they're watching the news and going this can't be it this can't be all there's got to be something greater than this there's got to be a greater hope and a purpose for me and God we want them to know that purpose and that hope his name is Jesus he is the Alpha he is the Omega he is the beginning and the end and Lord what a joy it would be to think one day in heaven we see those there because we were willing to be used by you 
that the Great Commission wasn't just a verse that we recite or say, but it was something that I took seriously to go make, teach. Because you said you have the authority to give that to us, to give us that calling. So we accept it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.